approaching that time. The thing that, that has to happen first is we have to make our way to the upper room. And in the upper room, tarry for the things of God. But those who do are going to be endued with power from on high. And when they leave that upper room, everything is going to be changed. It's going to be a, it's such a tremendous shift. And it's very soon. It's sooner than, than most people expect we're going to be thrust into the final harvest we are trying to harvest what we can but this what we are experiencing in the body is not the final harvest yet that's when they're going to come by the thousands and and uh, read the book of Acts and and then it's going to be exponentially greater than that. We're approaching that time. But before we get there, there's got to be an upper room. Why don't we stand? Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we're going to bring an offering and give to your kingdom. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give to the Lord.
God like Jehovah. There's no 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 God. Hallelujah. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Why don't we lift our hands and love him tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we magnify you tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we magnify your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Why don't we clap our hands and love the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. All the children, there is children's choir practice tonight with my wife downstairs. So they can be dismissed at this time. All the children that are here and a part of that, um, they, can, yeah, they can follow you out, right? They can follow her out. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated tonight, the rest of y'all that are here. Praise God. I'm going to take a few Tuesday nights, maybe even a little bit more than Tuesday nights, and uh, I'm going to be again teaching a series, basically, essentially it's on holiness, but it's beyond that, and I'm going to deal with every even, every issue that we stand as a church and why and what the Bible says and, and uh, uh, deal with the why. And, um, but tonight I'm going to start mainly with principle. I'm going to begin to read in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number six. And um, I've got more notes than we got time tonight, so um, I'll try and cram it in here in the next 45 minutes or an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> saw a couple heads pop up. Try, we'll try and get you out of here in good time, but um, I really tonight is is more of an intro. My intro may wind up being two Tuesday nights. I'm not sure. I got enough. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're familiar with uh, one particular verse in 
this chapter, but we're going to begin with verse number one. I just put Deuteronomy 6, Brother Sanderfield. We'll begin with verse number one, and we're going to read through um, uh, about verse number 17. Uh, believe it or not, there's a few more good scriptures in this particular chapter than verses number four and five, and um, it, it really, uh, as I was reading it today, I, I, I'm going to preach on Father's Day out of this chapter, and... Um, there's some powerful truths as God is communicating to his people um, how to serve him. And uh, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes, and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head, hand, and thou shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house, thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. He shall not go after, ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Mesa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he commanded Thee. We'll stop there. His commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes. This is the establishment 
of, of God instructing his people of how to worship him. Here we're coming into the law of Moses. Now there are, I'm not going to get into all of it tonight, uh, uh, maybe later, but uh, the law of Moses, when, when the law is mentioned in the New Testament, like in Romans and Galatians, when Paul is trying to shed further light on, on the law, most of the time Paul is talking about what we term and dissect as the civil law and the ceremonial law. Um, in, in the study of the law of the Old Testament of the law of Moses, there are three parts of the law that you can, that you can separate and um, while it is not named just like this in Scripture, there's not any theologians anywhere that are going to disagree on this fact here. And that is that there was it, the law is divided into three different types, civil, ceremonial, and what we call moral law. Uh, upon the, the cross of Calvary, when we moved into the new covenant, the only parts of the law that were done away with were the civil and the ceremonial law. The moral law was not done away with. Uh, for example, the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, there's only one of the Ten Commandments that was considered ceremonial law, and that was the Sabbath day. But we understand, and, and that according to that truth, Nine of the Ten Commandments carried on into the New Testament. However, that one commandment of, of, of resting on the Sabbath day, it did not disappear. It just uh, uh, transitioned into the Holy Ghost. It is still a commandment to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is part of the new birth process. So the Ten Commandments, you can, you can look at them and say because the, the Sabbath day transitioned into the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is the rest, which we're where with you shall cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. This is what we have in the New Testament. So there are certain parts of the law that were done away with. However, uh, the principle that God is putting into his people here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it goes beyond just civil or ceremonial law. But what God is establishing into them, and this is what I want to focus on tonight, is you are my people. You are my people. You are not your own people. You do not decide how you live, but God began to tell them and instruct them what he wanted them to do and how he wanted them to live in order to please him. He was setting them apart. He was calling them out. They would not be like the rest of the world. Everybody that, that they encountered, the land that they would dwell in, they would be a people that were different than everybody else. And in verse number 17, the three things that is mentioned there, the commandments, the testimonies, and the statutes. He gave them specific things. And while some things in the Old Testament are done away with, uh, there are things that carry through to the New Testament and are still in, in an effect today because they are part of what we term God's moral law. When he was teaching them about uh, uh, the oneness of God, uh, that there was one God, they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their heart, their soul, and their might. This is, in effect, covering what is called in theology the trichotomy of man, the body, soul, and the spirit. What he's telling them is you love the truth of the word of God with every single part of your being. 
There is no part of you that is excluded from worshiping God and being set apart to him. We are God's people. And this is what he was trying to establish in their life, that you are my people, and I am going to make sure that you are different than everybody else. Understand that after they had come out of the land of Egypt, they they had been in bondage for 430 years. They wanted so desperately to be God's people. They had called on him for deliverance for 400 years and now God brings them out of Egypt and he begins to form a people for himself. There's got to be something within each and every one of us that desires to be God's people. You've got to desire for you within, and I I can't see your heart, but uh, there's got to be something within you right here that says, God, I want to belong to you and nobody else. That is my desire from the deepest part of me, that I want to be named among your people. I don't want to be named among the world. I don't want to blend in with the world. I don't want to be passed over in a crowd for being like the world, but in every way, shape, and form, your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, I want to live for you and be called out and be different from the world. Somebody say amen. This is not your church. This is not my church. This is God's church. He purchased the church. He paid the price for his church. He gave us his word. And his word decides and is, is, the, is the factor that makes the distinction of who is a part of his people. Praise God. So he's, he's giving them instruction and, and uh, all of the things that would be included, but... He tells them in verse number, let me find here. In every way, shape, and form possible, he's saying it shall be a frontlets upon thine eyes. It shall be a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes. You've probably seen some of the Orthodox Jews when they go and worship at the Wailing Wall. You've seen pictures of they'll have a cord wrapped around their arms seven times, and they will have they will have a thing on their head with a small little box on their forehead, and in that box is is the is the uh, uh, the the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and and, and they still even practice the Orthodox Jews the way that God commanded them in the Old Testament there at the Wailing Wall. And, and if you look, you, all you got to do is just Google a little bit of pictures and you'll see what it looks like at, at maybe a bar mitzvah when, when a young man is transitioning into manhood at 13 years old and they go through the ceremony and the process uh, and they put this around their eye, their, uh, this cord around their arm and the, the box on their head and they, they still worship the way that, that uh, was instructed here in the Old Testament, but God was so serious about uh, uh, who he was that he was one, that he even said it's going to be frontlets between your eyes, it's going to be a cord on your hand, it's going to be at your doorpost. It's what was called a mezuzah. Sister Hyde has one in her house that came, it came from Israel, didn't it? It's supposed to the way that what the way that were they were commanded to place the, the in the in the mezuzah was uh, 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 the the Ten Commandments, 
And it was, it was a, it's a small little piece about this tall and about this wide. And it's placed two-thirds of the way up on the door, tilting inward. So every time they would go in and out of their house, they would touch that mezuzah. And it was, it, was a, it was a consistent sign of affection for the law of God and who he was. Every day, every time they entered in to their house and they left their house. And let me say, this is where our homes miss it a lot of times. God commanded them, when you sit down to eat, talk about who I am. When you rise up from the table, talk about who I am. On your going out and you're coming in, you are to talk about who I am as God. What he was saying, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Families, hear me right now. Your children are listening to your conversations. They are listening to what you deem as important to talk about in the coming and going. And God was saying, this has got to be the centerpiece of your conversation. This is how you keep God right in the center of everything. It's not something I just do a couple of times a week, but he, I love him so much that I talk about him in the morning and I talk about his word in the afternoon. And when me and my wife are just talking, it's something's going to come out of our mouth about what we were reading in the word of God or what God was speaking about to me today. Let me tell you, your children are listening to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They know. They know what is important to us as parents. Whether or not who God is and his law is important to me. Parents, hear me. You got to get it in you. And the way that you know you've got it in you is when it's a subject of conversation on a regular basis. Not at church, not on Sunday, but on Tuesday afternoon, on Thursday morning, on Friday at noontime. When it just rolls out of your tongue the love for the things of God and, and his word and what God's been speaking to you. That's how you know you've got it like you need to get it is when you meditate on his word and you meditate on it so much you can't help but talk about it. This this is what he was commanding them to do. Talk about it when you get up in the morning. Talk about it when you sit down at, at mealtime. Talk about it all day long. This will make a difference in your home, parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We have an old, we have an old iPhone that has, is retired except for it sits in our kitchen. And it just simply plays the word of God all day long in our kitchen. It's just there kind of under the radar. You, obviously, you don't hear everything all the time, but it's just the word of God is flowing in, in the room. The word of God is flowing in our home. And, and you know what's happening is our, our, our children here, we have it kind of on a dramatized version, so it's, it's kind of telling the story from a narrated uh, uh, standpoint. And, and what, what is it? It's the word of God that is flowing in my house. I, I, I don't just do this every now and then, but the, uh, uh, Jesus said when he was cleansing the temple, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. It has absolutely consumed me. We've got to be consumed by the word of God. We're not, we're not going to understand his commandments, his statutes, his testimonies if we just kind of, kind of half-heartedly go to church and, and, and maybe read our Bible every now and again and, and maybe pray every now and again if we have enough time or maybe it's on our agenda. Maybe, maybe we will, maybe we won't. And if we do, we'll kind of watch our clock while we do it and make sure that, that, that we got to get our other stuff in. I'm talking about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our, our soul, and with all of our might. 
Can we lift our hands up to the Lord right now and love him? Can you lift up your voice? Lord, we want to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. Lord, I don't want to do it just halfway or 50%, but God, I want to do it with everything that is within me. Hallelujah. I forget what verse it is in there, but he says, he starts talking about the generations of your sons and your sons' sons going down the generations. If my children are going to get it, I've got to get it 100%. I can't do it halfway and then be disappointed when my children don't get it. I can't do it just 30% of the time and then scratch my head and wondering why my children aren't in love with Jesus. The only way for my children to catch it the way they need to catch it is if me as a father and my wife as a mother and our home loves the Lord our God with all of my heart with all of my soul and with all of my might I've got to love him I've got to love him if you were to, if you were to talk to a professional athlete and you were to ask them what's it going to take to make it all the way not just to the to the pros but to win a championship you might ask one and he's he might tell you something like you got to shoot 500 free throws a day you got to practice this long every day and and that answer would be correct and then you may ask another one what is it taking he may some, say something to you like you got to love it as much more than you love anything else you've got to focus on it all day long you got to think about it you've got to meditate on it and both answers are correct. There's a principle that it's got to be on the inside. And then there's the principle that it's got to be on the outside. You don't, you don't just practice it without loving it. And you don't just love it without practicing it. But there is a marriage of the two to where what is on the inside is displayed on the outside. Let me tell you, as the pastor of this church, we are God's church. We are not my church. We are not your church. We are not our own church, but we are God's church. And we are going to love the Lord our God. This church will love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Praise God. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Everybody say, I'm not my own. I'm not self-governed. I'm not, I, I, I'm not in control of me. I'm not my own boss. When I come to God and I live for God, it is impossible to live for God and be my own boss. I don't run my own life. I don't dictate my own life. I, I don't make all of my own decisions. I am not my own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If I'm going to glorify God, I cannot do it one way or the other. 
But there has to be the, the, the uh, togetherness of both body and spirit. It is worship unto the Lord. Let me tell you, you the, 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 the moment that I think I am in control of myself is the moment that I admit to myself I, am, I, I do not belong to God. I have not given myself to him. I have not surrendered myself to him. I have not surrendered my mind, my spirit, my body unto him. But we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. This is not a bad thing. And this is where the enemy loves to come in and loves to, loves to play on our thoughts and loves to tell us things like, oh, you're just going to live a boring life because you belong to God. You've got to understand right now that when God's people came out of the land of Egypt, when they heard the laws, the commandments, the statutes of Almighty God, they wanted so badly to be a part of God's people. That's what they wanted to be. They wanted to be set apart. A people reserved unto God. God's special people that he looked at and he said, those are my people. They have committed themselves unto me. They have consecrated themselves unto me. They have heard my word. They have not argued with my word, but they have heard my word and obeyed my word. It is carnality that will try to wiggle out of the word of God. It is our carnal man that seeks to live every day. It is my carnal man that seeks to find a way to have earthly pleasure and yet the blessings of Almighty God. But I'm going to tell you right now that if you look through the stories of the Old Testament, they had not even made it into the land of promise as, as, as there is times where sin crept into the camp and people begin to engage in all kinds of, of immorality and, and, and worldliness and ungodliness. And because of that, God sent plagues among them and thousands of them died at one time uh, given different issues of, 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 of ungodliness that came in amongst them and what that tells us is when ungodliness comes amongst the people of God the move of God stops right there I desire to see the glory of God I'm not content with goosebumps Goosebumps don't cut it for me. You can feel goosebumps in a bar if you get real. If you get real honest with God, you start crying and boohooing and repenting. You you can feel goosebumps anywhere. Goosebumps are not an indicator of whether or not God is pleased with your current state of consecration. But it was the glory of God that came down into the camp of of God's people when they had prepared the tabernacle, when they had taken time to get it right according to the specification that God had given his people time and again there are two times specifically when when the when the glory of God the glory cloud came down into the camp of God's people and the Bible says that the priest could not stand to minister because of the glory of God that came down into the camp the glory of God will come amongst a people only amongst a people that have prepared themselves according to his law and according to his word that have come into alignment and have come into obedience and have come into love with the things of God. It's not enough to obey his law. You've got to love his law. It's not enough to obey it. Uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. Uh, I, I, that, that is true. But David 
time and again talked about loving the law of God. Your law, Lord, do I love. But, but in this day, in this, in, this, in this age that we live in, we are surrounded by worldliness and sin and by, and by so many different uh, temptations and by the spirit of this age that is so ungodly. Our, our, our society in America in 2022 is so ungodly, but we, we've become so desensitized to it because we live amongst it. But even in 2022, holiness is not out of style. In 2022, God still expects his people not just to be holy, but to desire to be holy. He wants his people to desire to be different. He wants his people to desire to be set apart and to be a part of his people. That's what I want to be. I, I want to be one that God looks down to and says, that's my son. That's, that's my son in, who I, in whom I am well pleased. That is my son. I'm not just trying to make it to heaven. I'm not just trying to make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I'm not living in the land of is it a heaven or hell issue. But I'm desired to live in the place of is God pleased or displeased with me. That's the place that I desire. And God doesn't have to dangle me over the flames of hell to get me to do anything because I desire to please my Savior because he bought me. He paid a price for me. He went to Calvary for me. He does not owe me anything else, but I owe him everything. I owe him body, soul, and spirit. Somebody say amen. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. He owns me. Does he own you tonight? Or does he just get weekend visits? Does he have full custody? Or does he just get you every now and then? Oh, somebody needs to move out of weekend visits into full custody. Oh, somebody needs to move beyond. Lord, I'll, I'll worship you on Sunday, but I'll, I'll do my will on Monday through Saturday. Oh, God, I'll, I'll confess you with my lips, but my heart is far from you, like the Bible says. But somebody needs to move beyond just the religious tradition of, of doing what I do. But somebody needs to do, like Romans chapter 6 says, I need to obey from the heart. There's a difference just obeying and do what I'm told to do and thinking I've checked the box. But there's a whole different place of when you move into a place of relationship with Almighty God to you where you want to please him, to where you're not, you don't have to be told, well, go down the list and tell me what I got to do. No, there's a place where you go looking for things that please him. Ooh, there's a whole difference in a relationship when somebody, when two people fall in love. There, there's a place where, where, where two people fall in love where they, they don't have to be told, but there's a place of pursuit to where one person is pursuing the other, trying to find what they love and trying to find what they like and trying to find what pulls at their heartstrings and trying to find what will get their attention. Let me tell you, there are many things in the word of God that God never meant for him to have to dangle us over hell to say, do this, do this, do this, do this but it's about pursuit of God it's about setting ourselves apart unto him because we want to please him I don't want to own myself I don't want to be in control of my own life I want to be controlled by the word and the will of God because that's what being led of the spirit is Everybody, there, if, I ask, if I were to ask everybody who wants to be used of God Probably everybody, everybody's hand would go up because there's something within us to say, yeah, I'd like God to use me. 
Well, to be used of God, you're going to have to be led of God. Do you understand that in order for God to use you, he's got to tell you what to do? And you've got to obey what he tells you to do. Other, otherwise, you won't be used of God. We cannot, we cannot pursue after God in one area and then decide this area is off limits to God. But we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and with all of our strength. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation. I put some extra ones in here, brother. You may have to catch up with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Threw some extra ones in there. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's got to be a calling out and a bringing into. And, and all of that culminates and all of that includes the fact that when the world looks at the church, they should see a people who are showing forth his praises. God's people are a chosen generation. God's people are a royal priesthood. God's people are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. But there's a lot of folks that want to be camouflaged Pentecostals and don't essentially want to be a peculiar people. We, we, we translate the word peculiar as weird. That's not necessarily what it is. We use, that's how we use the word. But peculiar just means very different. It means original. It means unlike anything else. We're not supposed to blend in with everybody else. That's not what God's looking for. God's looking for people that want to stand out and want to show forth his praises unto everybody else. God's not looking for people that are embarrassed to be part of his kingdom. God's not looking for a people that are embarrassed to be a part of the bride of Christ. But we, as the people of God, have got to be hungry and desirous to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There are certain things that precede God receiving us. There are certain things that precede God receiving us. There's got to be something within us that says, if it's unclean, I don't even want to touch it. I, not, that, not, not, not make the list of rules for me, Pastor. What's wrong, right? How close can I get to the edge of the lake of fire and somehow escape it? I'm sorry, if that's your mentality, you're going to split hell wide open because you don't understand relationship with God. There's got to be something within you that says, whatever is unclean, I don't even want to touch it. What is he making reference to? He's making reference to the law that said they could not touch an unclean animal. 
or a, a, the corpse of an animal. It was unclean. And if they touched it, they would be unclean for a certain period of time. They would have to live outside of the camp. Then after a certain amount of days, they could come back in after they were cleansed from what they had touched. There are certain things that the church does not touch because they are unclean. Because they are unclean. But you've got to want to not touch, you've got to want to not touch them. There's got to be something within me that says, if it's even, if it even, if there's the smell or the stench of death on it, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to get near. There should be something just as when you smell the carcass of a dead animal, it, it is repulsive. It turns your stomach. Sin, worldliness, and ungodliness should do the exact same thing to my spirit. As soon as I catch the scent of worldliness, it should drive me away. As soon as, as soon as I catch the scent of immorality, it should drive me in a different direction. As soon as my spiritual nostrils pick up on the scent of anything that displeases God, that grieves his spirit, it should have the same effect upon my spirit that it does when you pass by, walk by a dead or a dying, a, a, a dead animal on the side of the road and that stench fills your nostrils and it can make you nauseated, what, their first reaction is to get out of there. Let's lift our hands for a moment and love the Lord all over this house. In the name of Jesus, God, we are your people. We're going to worship you. Lord, the way that you command us. Lord, we are, we are going to be a people that is in love with you, that are in love with you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we are going to seek after you. We are going to be separated unto you. <coughs> Praise God. Praise God. It is the commandment of the word of God to be separate unto the Lord. Here's what holiness is. You know what holiness is? Holiness is being separated unto God. And as a result of being separated unto God, I am organically or naturally separated from the world. We have made so many things mechanical that should be organic. We serve a holy God. We read our Holy Bible, we receive the Holy Spirit. Everything about what we do is holy. It is separated. But then comes the deceiver that deceives people into thinking. You can, be, you can belong to God but not have to be separated from the world. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says, what fellowship hath light with darkness? What fellowship does it have? It doesn't have any fellowship. There's either light or there is darkness. Where there is darkness, it is as soon as the light comes on, it naturally or organically drives the darkness away. Not the other way around. There is only darkness when there is not light. But when the light comes on, it drives out the darkness. This is, is the same way with holiness and separation from the world. God's looking for a bride. The Bible says that hath made herself ready. 
When I married my wife, nobody, nobody walked my wife down the aisle with a gun to the back of her head. My wife didn't look at me and said, well, what do I have to do? What is the bare minimum I can do and you marry me? There was no such conversation. There was no such conversation. When two people are in love and want to be together, they will find a way to be together. They, they, they will make preparation and get ready for that special day. The way that God designed it and orchestrated it is that when two people fall in love and they set a date for a wedding to be together, they reserve themselves for each other. They save themselves for each other intimately and they are set apart from everybody else in the Bible days. They, when they were betrothed, they would be betrothed for a year. And that was considered as good as married, even though they had not come together in an intimate relationship. And during that year, the husband would prepare, would take a year preparing the house. And then around the season of time that the wedding would be taking place, the bride would not know the day that he was going to come. She would know the season. And so during that season, she would begin to prepare herself. She would put on her wedding garments that day and be ready. She wasn't talking to other men. She wasn't flirting with other men. She was betrothed. That whole time, she's betrothed. She's not acting like she's single. Because she's in love with the one that she is betrothed to. And so she prepares herself. She gets up every day and goes through the ritual during the season when she knows that the bridegroom would come, the, bride, or the, the groom would come. And the way they did it ritualistically back then is there would then, then come the day where the groom was done preparing the house for which they would live in. And he would show up unannounced and she was supposed to be ready. And if she loved him, she would be getting ready every day, anticipating the day when he would come. Then all of a sudden, the day that was long anticipated would be the day and he would show up and he would take her away and they would be married and they would dwell in the place that he had prepared for them. Oh, this is what the coming of the Lord's going to be. He's coming back for a bride that's not flirting with the world. He's not coming back for a bride that's been cheating on him on the side. Mm -mm. He's not coming back for, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He's not coming back for a bride that's getting pleasure from the world on the side. Mm -hmm. He's coming back for a bride that has reserved herself for him. And he's going to pop in unannounced. One day the trumpet's going to sound. Oh, Jesus. Genesis, or I'm sorry, James. James chapter 1, verse number 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This is where purity is, is to keep myself, keep myself 
This is what Peter preached in Acts 2. Save yourself from an untoward generation. You, we, it is up to us whether or not we are a part of God's people. God's not going to come out and twist anybody's arm. God's looking for somebody to love him with all of their heart, their soul, and their strength. When we get the love part, there is nothing that is beyond my ability or my desire. There is nothing that is beyond anything that I will or will not do because I want to be with my Savior. And when he makes his return, I want him to find somebody that is unspotted from the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all. Everybody say all. Everybody say all. All manner of conversation. That word conversation is an old English word for the word lifestyle. Be ye holy in all manner of lifestyle because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye separated for I am separated. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse, cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Everybody say glory. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. On that day, there's not going to be a wrinkle that is acceptable. There's not going to be a spot or a blemish that is acceptable. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. As, as brides prepare and, and take the time to go buy the perfect dress for the wedding, there's much time and money that's dropped on a dress that's only going to be worn one time. But a lot of time and sizing and care goes into that wedding garment because on that one special day, it's got to be perfect. And so it's wrapped. You, you, you've seen it. There's a, a plastic case that covers that garment that's, that's hung in the closet for that special day because there's no spot that is acceptable. There's no wrinkle that is acceptable. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be reserved for that special day. It's got to be prepared for that special day. That there, there is investment that goes into that wedding garment because the, 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 the bride wants the groom to be, to be happy. But guess what? It's not just the groom that sees the garment. There's a lot of eyes on that dress. When the back door opens, and everybody stands at the wedding. That bride knows there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that dress. Uh-huh. Let me tell you. We are preparing ourselves for him. But guess what? 
there's going to be a lot of other people that see the bride. And the bride cares what everybody thinks too. The bride, number one, cares what the groom thinks. She wants to please him. She wants to be happy. But she knows that everybody else is going to see her too. Let me tell you, it's not God's, God's people aren't just concerned with what God sees in their heart. But we are to show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's people stand out and look different to the world. Somebody say amen. We are preparing ourselves for a great day when we come together. I want to read one last portion of scripture as I'm closing tonight. I want to go to Leviticus 11. I don't know if you have that or not. I'm just going to read Leviticus. Start off reading. Uh, Leviticus 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye are, which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, and shall that shall ye eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, as the camel because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean. Everybody say unto you. Now, if you read on in this chapter, down to verse number twelve, he goes through a list of, uh, and this is this is ceremonial law of certain things they were not supposed to eat and things that they could eat according to the law of Moses. Now, this was done away with when we entered into the new covenant. But here's my point. There are things here that God tells them, this is unclean unto you. You're going to see other people eating these and they're not going to get sick. You're going to be in a land where people are eating these animals, but these are unclean unto you. And what God was setting up here in this place is the principle that there are some things that simply God God simply did to set his people apart from the people in the land. What they consumed was different. Their diet was different. Their consumption was different. We live in a time where all kinds of things are consumed on a daily basis. Television ain't a problem no more. What we consume is a holiness issue. It is a separation issue. And, 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 and without the power of the Holy Ghost, it would be impossible to have a device like this and still be pleasing to God. But with the power of the, of the Holy Ghost working within us, the Spirit of God that is holy, that is separated, 
because of that. I can be in this world, but not of this world. God is calling for a people that want to be named among his people. This isn't about religion. It's not about traditionalism. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about, here's the, here's the L word, legalism. It's about relationship with the God that I am in love with, that I am dreaming of the day that he comes and he takes his church home to be with him to a place that he has prepared and when he comes I want him to find me without spot without wrinkle without without not being somebody that has mixed with the world that has the scent of death on my hands and on my fingers because I've been touching things that are unclean and I've been involved with things that are unclean and I've been rubbing shoulders with worldliness and things of this world he's going to come back and find a bride that hasn't been cheating on him on the side and gaining pleasure from worldly things but has been thinking about his return that has been anticipating his presence that has been looking for the day that says God I don't want to do anything say anything think anything do anything that would bring displeasure to you let's stand tonight Hallelujah. God has a secret book. It's called the Bible. You ought to read it sometime. There's some, there's some neat things in there that are hidden in there. There are some things that, that, that the Lord specifically, he hid them. He hid them. He hid them. Because he wants to know, are you willing to dig to find what I like? Let's come around the front tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to take a few weeks and we're going to talk about things that please God. And I'm going to teach the word of God because this is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. This is God's church. And God's church loves his word. God's church loves his word. God's church wants to hear his word and wants to know what brings pleasure or displeasure to him. God's church says, teach me the word of God because I want to please him. I don't want to be that person on the day of his return whose garments are spotted and wrinkled and are not prepared and, 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 and someone that has the, the scent of the world on them or who has been with someone else gaining the pleasure of the world and hoping they can get separated just in time for the rapture of the church. No, 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 no. God's people are looking for the day of his return and say, God, I'm preparing right now. I'm not waiting till later, but I'm going to get my house in order right now. I'm going to get everything out of my house that's displeasing to you. I'm going to get everything out of my heart that's displeasing to you. I'm going to get every, every uh, 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 thing that I could consume. I'm going to get the taste of every bit of worldliness out of my mouth. God's not coming back for a bride. 
who has the scent of another man's cologne on her clothes. Mm -mm. That's when God says, nope, you've been hanging out with somebody else. See, that's, man, I feel, I feel the angels of the Lord, and that's what I want. Oh, hallelujah. The presence of God, the glory of God's going to be in this church because it's his church, not my church, not your church. It's his church. It's been too long since somebody walked out of here drunk in the Holy Ghost. You only get that when you are a separated people. When you say, I don't want worldliness in any way, shape, or form. I want to be set apart and I want God's presence. I want God's glory. I don't want to just feel him every now and then. But I want the glory of God to move in this building so powerfully that nobody can stand because of the glory of God that is in this house. It's not, enough, it's not good enough to stand to our feet when the word is preached but when the glory comes in the people of God will be on their face but that's only going to happen when man I feel the Holy Ghost right now it's only going to happen when God's people say I am separated I am different I am not like the world I don't want the world in any way shape or form Lift your hands up to the Lord and confess that to him right now if that's your desire. He knows your heart. He knows if you're being real or if you're being fake. But I, I want you to do it right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I commit to you as a pastor of this church before God and before these people, we are going to be a holy people. We are going to be a separated people. Lord, I commit to you before everybody in the name of Jesus as the man of God of this house. We are going to desire and we are going to see the glory of God in the city of Springfield. We are going to see the glory of God. In the name of Jesus. hallelujah get, get all the worldliness out of your home then the flow of the Holy Ghost is going to come back but it's not going to come back until you get rid of your bad attitude and you get rid of the worldly entertainment and you get rid of the filth that you've been touching and the things you've been entertaining behind the scenes it's not coming back until the, until the spots and the blemishes are gone God's glory isn't for anybody. His glory isn't for anybody. He'll manifest his presence for somebody that's hungry, but his glory is reserved for the people that say, God, there's no cost that is too great. There's nothing you can ask of me that I will not give to you because I am your people. I am your church. I belong to you. Somebody talk to him right now. If we don't get this, we won't get anything else. We got to get it in our heart. We are separated. We love it with all of our being. We are in love with him. We are in love with him. Lord, I do what I do because I love you. Hallelujah. 
So the Bible says that there's going to come a day where the earth is filled with the glory of God. I'm going to tell you how that's going to happen. It's going to be manifested amongst God's people. And it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It is, it is prophesied in scripture. But you and I have a decision to make whether or not it is I am involved in, in the manifestation of the glory of God that will cover the earth. But I've made up my mind. I, 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 I'm going to obey God. I'm going to be a part of those that are called out, that are separated, that are a part of his kingdom. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord one more time tonight. Let's love him. Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be yours. I don't want to be the world's. I don't want to belong to the world. I don't want to smell like the world. I don't want to sound like the world. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to act like the world. I don't want to be named among the world. I, I want to be called out. I want to be different. I want to look different. I want to sound different. I want to be yours. I want to belong to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to belong to you. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's God's church. It's God's church. There's so many people that are fooled by the presence. Go here, go there, and feel the presence of God. But the presence of God is not the glory of God. The, pres the presence of God will get people to their feet. But the glory of God will get people to their face. In humility and in worship and in brokenness. And in a contrite, with a contrite heart and a spirit that's not hiding anything. That doesn't have anything reserved in the back room. A hidden pleasure that I'm doing this all the while playing church. No, that's not the glory of God doesn't show up there. Because God knows every compartment of my heart. And he knows every behavior. And he's calling and saying, would you be my people? Would you get rid of every single thing that just displeases me? It's not about dangling you over the flames of hell. It's about what does he like and what is attractive to Almighty God. Praise God. I'm going to be in this vein for a little while and we're going to cover a lot of stuff. I'm going to cover everything I can think to cover. Praise God. This is a why generation. We're going to answer every why question. Praise God. We'll go. We'll just see what the book says. How about that? How about we be fair? We'll just see what the book says. Praise God. God bless you tonight. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.